0: You get a table. You order your drink. You listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Eric. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as Bo Burnham holidays, and musicals.
1: There's something else I wanted to mention. Um, I was going to mention it to both you and Sean when we both met up again, but last time I talked to him, it was just me and him, and so I already laid it out on him. But... I couldn't tell if it was just because he was disinterested or cuz he was too drunk at the time. <laughs> he didn't have too much reaction one way or the other. Um but so prior to this week I had been obsessed with something for about 2 weeks. And I and I and I'll tell you what it is, but I got so obsessed with it that I wasn't watching anything else like other series or movies or other YouTube channels I usually watch. I was just everything I was watching was on the same subject because I just fell down a rabbit hole um, about three weeks ago pro wrestling (laughs) no (laughs) so how familiar are you with Bo Berman
0: not even in the slightest I've heard the name I think I've seen something that he was in I have a friend of mine who wanted to go see that movie with me and, and she's a big fan of his I guess so
1: and it's funny because when I mentioned the name to Sean he was like oh yeah like, he totally knew Bo Vermin's, like, acting, directing bona fides. And I thought it was so funny because I completely forgot he has that aspect of his career. <laughs> and so, because when Sean was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He was in that one movie that came out this year and he directed Eighth Grade. And I was like, oh, oh. shit, you're right. But that's not even why I brought him up. Hmm. I forgot that the dude is multifaceted like that. Hmm. Um so so Bo Berman, I was kinda of familiar with him before. Um, because it must have been circa 2013 2014 or something. Uh me and my sister were hanging out and she likes to watch, you know, mm-hmm. comedy specials every now and then. And I think you and I have talked about like stand up comedians before like generally we don't find them that entertaining or funny right
0: yeah at least for me i'm not sure about you but there's
1: certain ones there's certain ones that will catch my attention but generally i'll be like "Ugh." uh uh so anyway back in 2013 2014 like i said she has a habit of putting these things on and usually i'm like okay i guess i'll watch i probably won't think it's that funny (laughs) and she had put on this guy bo berman and i was like the heck is this because This guy is very non standard as far as comedians go, hmm. and and I like the more we were watching, I was like, Wait, this guy's different, first of all. Number two, he's really smart, like, you can tell through the humor. Like, this guy is like high functioning, like, intelligent. Uh, and anyway, whatever. That was, I, I didn't think too much ever about that again because it happened like several years ago. Uh, so he released a Netflix special that came out like in June of this year. And he hadn't done anything with comedy for like five years prior to this. So people who were longtime fans of his, it was like a big deal that he was coming out with his like first special or anything in five years. Oh, also about him. He's 31 now, but he first became famous when he was quite young. Because back when YouTube was very brand new, he became YouTube famous like in 2008 when he was still a teenager living in his parents' house. So he was pretty young and he became YouTube famous before that was a thing. And that's what kicked off his whole career because of the silly... Oh, and here's the other thing. So he's definitely a musician and a songwriter but also a comedian. Um. And he's been doing it since he was a teenager, and he just made these silly videos that are really good um, for a kid to make, and that's what got him noticed, and that's how he had like a uh, like a legitimate career in comedy, etc. Um, but he's self made, I guess you could say. Anyway, so it comes out with this special, and I didn't even notice when it came out at first. So about four weeks ago. I'm just randomly going through TikToks. The horrible exercise of just you just like swipe, swipe, like you just keep swiping to whatever you know gets your attention. Uh, and some random TikTok got on my attention. And it's about some girl talking, telling a story about how she met a guy on um, what do you call it? Uh, Tinder what is it called? Huh? Tinder. Tinder. Thank you. I was thinking Tumblr, but she met a random guy on Tinder, and uh, she barely knew him a week. He invited her to trip on Me- to go to Mexico. Oh, they wow. went to Mexico, had an amazing time, and this is all being told through her TikTok, oh. and you can see little photos and to show like what she's talking about. They go to Mexico, have a great time, come back home, and she calls him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm good," like <laughs> you know. And that's what the whole little TikTok was about. Um, So that was a little bit interesting. But what more caught my attention was the song playing in the background. And I didn't know what it was. And I was like, what is this song? And why is this song catching my attention? And why is it drawing me in? Because it sounds kind of weird, but it sounds like enticing at the same time. And I had to use uh, um, Shazam to figure... And it said it's a song called All Eyes on Me by Bo Berman. And I was like, or Burnham. And I was like, hmm. And so I was watching the YouTube video of it. And that just like pulled me even more like to get obsessed with the song and and still the same feeling. Like this song is weird. It sounds like it allures you like a pop song. Like it pulls you in. Hmm. But it's it also makes you feel uncomfortable and it's very disconcerting at the same time. But I don't know why. So I'm just I'm just like watching this thing like a like a moth to a flame not understanding why I'm so drawn to it. <laughs> and when you watch on YouTube it's like this is part of his new Netflix special. And I had to I had to figure it out and I started watching reaction videos, I started watching his other songs from the special and I started realizing cuz again he okay, this guy's a genius. And just in his songwriting uh he does a lot of wordplay and a lot of silliness, but all his humor is, like, multi-layered. Um, there's always a reason why it's funny on its surface, and then when you think about it deeper, it's funny on another level. That's how all his comedy works, and that's how his comedy music works. But this song is different. It doesn't sound like his typical stuff. It sounds kind of dark and foreboding and welcoming at the same time. This All Eyes On Me song. Um, so eventually I just watched the whole damn special. And this special, uh, it's like 90 minutes long, he did the entire thing himself. I know there's a lot of musicians who make albums on their own, but this is more than just making an album because he made all the music, of course he wrote all the lyrics, he sings it, he performs it, so he made all the music, got it. But he shot the entire thing, he lit the entire thing he edited the entire it's a complete one-man operation and aside from the music being stellar and interesting and funny the sh- the shot the shooting of it the lighting the direction the cinematography is out of this fucking world for a home project a self a one-person home project it's insanely good and I was just so mesmerized by it because how could one person do it all like <laughs> it is a ridiculous achievement and I was telling Sean like uh although it did have a brief theatrical run this thing should have had like a standard theatrical run I would love to see it at the movies
0: was um that, was that this year it came out in June oh that's funny yeah I was actually gonna go see that but I was just like yeah I'd rather go see pig so we went to go see that instead <laughs> no
1: you made a huge mistake you made a huge mistake Um, but it's something that should be seen theatrically I think it's an amazing achievement on so many levels he does biting satirical comedy like he has this knack of putting his finger on the zeitgeist at any given time uh, and so for, for now 2020 2021 you can just imagine what he gets into, and he—he's just—he's so good at like I guess I don't even—he he transcends so many um, descriptions. It's hard to like nail him down because <laughs> he's like a—he's like a political satirist commentator, but it's not. But that's—it's not just political. It's everything. It's just like the current world we live in. Um, at least as Westerners. He hits everything, whether it's cancel culture or or, um, being a privileged white person or a lot of stuff. Hmm. Um, and then another thing that was just a weird factoid, so this thing came out in June, uh, so it's been out for a while, but there was breaking news, so to speak, like two weeks ago that, that they were reporting on the internet, uh, on the news, like... For no reason, this is an afterthought. Uh, all the news reports two weeks ago were saying, um, "Oh, by the way, you know that Bo Berman special? Yeah, the one he because he he shot the whole thing in one room." Um, they're like, "Oh, by the way, like you'll never guess where he shot it, like the location." Um, it just happens to be the house from the original Nightmare on Elm Street and that's random that that has no direct connection at all to the special but it's just like and it's not like they, they didn't advertise it it just came out like six months later oh by the way this was shot in that house and it was just just a weird a weird afterthought a weird epilogue <laughs> to the whole thing
0: it's funny yeah but
1: i highly recommend it i i don't think sean would ever watch it he's not into stuff that's musical very much i don't even know if you are but um, I just think it's it's a crazy achievement um, musically, but also visually. And and Bo Berman's insane because uh, every little lyric he puts in any of his songs, he's always very like he chooses words for a reason. Like he doesn't, you know. Well, visually, the way he sets up his camera, he's like Wes Anderson or Kubrick in a way everything like he places everything like there's a reason why he chooses these camera angles and why he places things a certain kind of way in like i don't know it's weird to say it has like art direction because it's shot like in a documentary like style but but it's not really a documentary
0: yeah i would describe eighth grade as kind of like that did you see that movie I did,
1: but I didn't realize it was Bo Berman when I watched it. Otherwise, I would have taken it a lot more seriously.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't have known who he was. Yeah. So, but, but I just appreciated for being a really quality movie and had a real sense of realism to it. And it. It did have that documentary kind of sense to it, so I could see that.
1: And it's weird because he's he's never made a movie before. Uh, if you watch his previous specials. He he definitely has a background in like theater, and he's definitely studied and done that crap before, like putting on a stage production. But it is remarkable he made eighth grade without really any actual movie production experience.
0: Yeah, and again, good on A twenty four just uh, finding talents and producing films for them. Gotta love that company.
1: <laughs> but uh, I highly suggest you check out that thing. And curious what you'd have to say about it oh and uh some of his songs are more silly but um that one in particular all eyes on me goes really deep um even if even if you didn't watch the special i'm curious what you would think about just that one song because the song is like 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 the movie we just watched um you could take the song for face value and to, to try to extrapolate what the meaning of it is. But it is so not about its face value um, interpretation.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll let you know next time. It has talk.
1: another level that is so much deeper than is obvious. And once I understood what the second level was, and I'm not going to lie, I had help from YouTube explaining it to me, um, I didn't figure it out on my own. But once I understood what it was all about, uh, it has to do with a certain subject of life uh, it had me thinking about my own self and my own life like hmm. reevaluating things in my mind uh, I have listened to the song like 45 50 times now and <laughs> not every time but randomly when I listen to it like yeah uh, it, it it definitely will bring up tears in me hmm. um, because of the thoughts that it conjures. And there's certain parts of the special that are like that as well. That there's certain parts because there's, like I said, there's these deep underlying themes like inside of his jokes, um, and some of them like hit really hard, like below the surface.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, like like I said, I was that that girl is a big fan of his, and she would say the same things, and I'd be like, ah, uh, it's you know, I, I'm just even if he's like a rather deep comedian. I just don't really jive with comedians too well most of the time, and so I never checked any of that stuff out, but... Yeah, yeah, I'd check out that song.
1: I don't know, he's a... I don't know, a modern Edgar Allan Poe or
0: something. (laughs) Oh, well, that's big words, but... He is! (laughs) Yeah, I've been reading a little bit more of Poe lately. I haven't touched my big uh, Poe collection in years, but for whatever reason, I popped it out this Halloween. Because I was never much into poetry, but I always like post-poetry, so I was reading some of that this Halloween. But...
1: Do you know the band Tool?
0: Uh, I listened to a little bit of Tool many, many years ago, but I haven't listened to it since.
1: Sure. And you know the lead singer, Maynard?
0: Uh, I don't even remember his name, but...
1: I believe his name is Maynard. Um, no, I've always noted that uh, me and Maynard, if that's his name... And uh, Edgar Allan Poe, like, I always feel like we have a kinship because we all, like, dropped out of the same college.
0: Oh, really? So I feel like we have a
1: connection like that. Oh, that's cool. Of course, I don't think they care to associate with me in any way. I think I benefit more from associating (laughs) with them. But...
0: (laughs) Hey, come on, if they listen to your podcast, there you go. I'm sure they're Star (laughs) Trek fans. Poe, I'm sure he loved it.
1: I have a kinship to those two in some weird way because I feel like... I like to think that, I like to think, because there was things about the school that bothered me. That's not the reason I I dropped out. I had other issues going on besides that. But as as far as the school itself, as much as I love the school, I like to think that they had the same issues with it as I did. Like, I would like to think that we share some type of countercultural ideas or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, what school was it?
1: Um, it's, it's West Point.
0: Oh okay, that's interesting. What what were your problems? Just out of curiosity.
1: Oh, god. it's <laughs> it's something I've had, that not only there and other places in my life. Where if you ever like hear people talk about like the right side or left side, whether it means politics or it means right or left side of the brain, hmm. either way, I've always been a person who's very much right and left I'm, I'm 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 always like like i can so relate to both sides all the time meaning i can i can always relate to structure and tradition as much as i can relate to um innovation and progress you know what i mean hmm. like and creativity like i can i'm always both at the same time and it's an huh. issue it's kind of like Spock being half human, half Vulcan. Um, and so the, there's a part of me that is very traditionalist in many ways. Like, like the old ways are the good ways. There's a reason why we do things the old ways. <laughs> you shouldn't just discard the old ways. Because um, there's inherent value. But then there's another side of me who is very rebellious. And very, like, fuck the man. Or fuck... Like, if something says this is the way it has to be, there's always a part of me that says it doesn't have to always be that way. Mm. See, this is weird because I exist in both worlds at the same time all the time.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I'm definitely more on the other side. I've always been like, I've never understood tradition. I've never understood holding on to old. Because most of the time, I'm like, people don't even realize why they continue to do the things they've always done. No, they that's very do true. It. They've always done it. And that makes no sense to me at all. So
1: <laughs> I think that's something in human biology as to why that happens, but you're absolutely right about that. Um, uh, but, but I'm, I'm both, I'm so both. And so with a place like West point, there's a part of me that like loves the, the tradition and loves like looking at all the old alumni and, and the, like the famous graduates and the history and blah, blah, blah. And like a lot of other old colleges, uh, there's all these goddamn traditions. <laughs> you know, they've been going on 100 years or whatever. And some of them are super stupid, but whatever. Um, uh, so I like that part, but at the same and so the way they teach us stuff, whatever they're teaching us it's like this is the way you do it and this is the way you learn it and this is what you're supposed to take away and this is mm-hmm. what you're supposed to know and this is the lesson that you're supposed to learn and I always would have ideas like but is that all there is? Um, or are there other ways or are there, are there other ways to think outside the box? one of the biggest things there was the honor code and the honor code was there's other versions of it other places but like I will not lie, steal, or cheat, or tolerate anyone among us who does. Um, and that is like their biggest, number one rule. That like you cannot break that rule. It's like the most cardinal sin in the school to break that rule. Meaning, let's pretend. Okay, let's just say a guy isn't allowed to sleep a girl with a girl in the dorms. There, you know, and that's a rule. Uh, and um, but let's say you do. Sneak into a girl's room, uh, have relations with her, and get caught later. Okay, you'll get in a lot of trouble, no doubt. But you probably won't get expelled. But you'll get in a lot of trouble, and you'll serve out your sentence some kind of stupid way. Okay, fine. But, if you get caught in a lie, um, let's see, uh... What could be a lie? Shit, I'm trying, but I'm trying to think of a low-grade lie. Um,
0: yeah, I'm trying to think of one, too, and now I can't think of anything.
1: I can think of some crazy ones, but I'm, I'm not looking for a crazy one. I'm trying to think of one that's not that serious.
0: Oh, I couldn't finish my homework because uh, a dog ate it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, let's not go with a lie. Let's just go with cheating. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that one's easier. So... You're taking a test of some kind, and you literally have the answers, or you're giving the answers ahead of time, and it's discovered. Okay, if that can if that can all be proven true, um, oh, you're get you're getting expelled more than likely, or not expelled. I mean, you're getting kicked out of school, mm. um, just because it falls under that heading of cheating or lying. Um, other examples are um let's say you because we're college age you go out and get a rental car and you're out uh on because we have to have like a weekend pass to be able to go out off campus on the weekends let's say you're out on the weekend in a rental car you get busted for a dui get arrested and eventually released back to school again you're gonna get in a shit ton of trouble for this
0: yeah fair enough
1: but not necessarily expelled now, if the law says that, um, if the law says that you have to be twenty-one in order to have a rental car, and you were twenty and you used a fake ID, and then somehow that gets discovered that you're lying about your age, that is that'll get you kicked out of school right out right out the bat. But see, I don't necessarily think that's worse than getting busted for a DUI.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You see what I'm saying and because this honor code thing was the most cherished thing in the school we would have classes about this practically weekly and monthly because they were constantly trying to hammer this down and every time we had the more we had these classes and this is this is analogous to being to going to a Sunday school that maybe if you would have pressed me so hard on Sunday school I would have just been happy to go to church but because you kept forcing it... Cause this is what happened to me in my middle school years. Like, the more we had Bible studies, the more I had questions. Like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. So the more we had these honor classes, the more I was like, dude, the more you keep talking about this, like the stupider it sounds to me. Um, And I used to privately have say things to friends, because I would never say it in an actual class um, out loud. But I would say to friends, like, like they're training us to be like War leaders, essentially, right? Military officers. And I was like... Like, when you go to war... Like, isn't it all about camouflage and subterfuge and... Like, tricking the enemy and lying and, like... So, how do you have both? So, like... Honor only counts when you're dealing with your friends and countrymen. But in war does that just all go out the window but no no there there is certain honor in war as you see in movies and stuff like with prisoners and stuff and treatment of prisoners but then there's not another like it doesn't make any sense and i just yeah. never wanted to bring those things up because because that would be rocking the boat
0: yeah i would think you never never lie to the people in charge that's what they're trying to teach you
1: <laughs> and also most of the teachers and professors Um, or I don't know if it's most, but many in West Point, you know, they're all like alumni themselves, you know? Mm. And some of those professors seemed like uniquely brilliant to me, or like very smart, respectable people, like people who impressed me with their intelligence. Some of them. But others and many did not impress me in any way. They just seemed to me like drones. (laughs) Like they just toe the party line. Not particularly bright to me. Like, they were good in school, they were good in college, but they don't seem actually intelligent to me. Mm. And that's how I felt a lot about a lot of my classmates. I had another issue, which was I was part of the small percentage of, of the student body who came from a working class background, whereas... I don't know, 70, 75% of the student body comes from a very upper-crust privileged background. And I used to think about that all the time, um, like with my friends and classmates, because I never, ever felt like I wanted to be close to the, the kids with the rich background. And all my best friends, by happenstance or not, all my best friends in the school, were we were all working class in our background. Those are like the only guys I could connect with. I could never fully connect with the uh, the elite, so to speak. That's fair. I could be friends with them, but they just their stories of their life were just like so alien to me. But anyway, yeah, st- stuff like that. And if, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so like that. I'm so left and right, traditional and progressive. Like I'm. S- I'm so both parts. It's weird.
0: I've always had a those kind of older school schools. I always felt like existed to kind of brainwash people into living a very particular perspective. So it's it's a good compliment to you that you didn't uh, no, 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 but fall into that.
1: <laughs> you're right about that. But I think I think all schools do that. Not just the old establishment ones.
0: That, that's, fair. that's
1: fair. I feel that way. I feel that way about the whole, um, at least the American public school system. Um, it's all designed like, because so everyone who's a teacher in the American public or virtually everyone who's a teacher in the American public school system, there's, there's two things that most of them share in common with each other, which is they almost all do, did good in public school when Hmm. they were kids, um, and did good in college. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is. They all opted into a profession which is not about competition. And so almost all the teachers are coming from that same point of view. So if all the teachers did good in school and college, then their teaching style is just going to perpetuate what they learned, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And see, I was always the kind of kid who... The system does not work for me because I have a different style of learning or whatever that is. And so I oftentimes clash with my teachers. I don't mean argue, but I mean, we just didn't get along um, because they're traditionalists as far as how that system works. Um, And every once in a while I met a teacher who was completely wacky, and those were usually the cool ones. (laughs) But those, those ones are few and far between um so i'm just saying they're they're toying the party line as well they're just carrying the tradition um over and over and that's not innovation that's like stagnation and it only plays well to other people who succeed in that environment and it's not so good for people who don't succeed in that environment or at least the way that they've constructed it
0: yeah i remember i had this one english teacher and i was telling her oh like I've i've considered like once i'm done school like Maybe I'll get into teaching. I love literature. Maybe it'd be fun to teach literature literature course. And she was like, don't do it. It's completely soul-crushing. You're not really teaching. You're teaching from a very particular perspective. You're forced to just teach from tests. And personally, she was like, I haven't really had any fulfillment from it because I don't feel like I can actually construct my own classes. I'm just kind of forced to follow the government line. And so that always kind of painted a particular picture of teachers for me.
2: Yeah, and
1: I think that's true to an extent, what, what she said. And there's definitely a lot, I see a lot of teachers who do exactly what she said. But there's the crazy ones I've met. And it seems like they just did whatever the fuck they wanted. <laughs> and for some reason, they got away with it. Um, a few teachers like that. Uh, I even had one at West Point. Oh, that's cool. My philosophy teacher... <laughs> and he and, and he was a and he was an army officer army grad I mean he's a company man so to speak but we went in there on day one of class and he told us or I mean he gave us like a test that was like a general broad overview of psycho uh, not psychology uh, philosophy 101 just as, he said it was just a test to gauge where you're at because you know, you'll know some of it you won't know some of it you know and so we did that. And then on day two, and almost all the other days of the class that semester, we just came to class, and this is still in the days of VHS um, (laughs) in classrooms, and uh, he would just roll out a TV, and he would play the most recent SmackDown or Monday Night Raw Raw that had aired on television.
0: Oh, rock and roll. (laughs) And we would watch
1: that the whole uh, class period. (laughs) And then that would be the end of class. Wow. And I was talking to my friends in the, in the dorms, because they'd be like, god damn, philosophy class, like, oh shit. They'd be like, did you do your readings on Aristotle or whatever? And I'd be like, fuck no, we don't have readings. And they're like, what do you do? I was like, we watch wrestling. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know what to say. Everyone who had my professor, we watched wrestling. Everyone else was doing the standard syllabus. I don't know how to explain that. And then I remember on the last day of class, we took that same test again just to see where we were. And then I remember he he went on a little soliloquy for about 20 minutes. And then that was it. And I I remember his soliloquy in essence. He was basically telling us, he's like, there's just one thing I want you to take away from this class. And it wasn't wrestling, by the way. He said, there's just one thing I want you to take away from the class. He said, I'm going to shorten it, but basically he was saying, you know, during peacetime, um, how did he say it? Like, he was basically saying you have to work at being peaceful during peacetime if you're in the military. Like, you need to work on um, being like, uh, like kind and civilized, and the opposite of barbaric. Um, because he said, when a war happens, like something like World War Two, he said it's really easy for people to go evil and go intense, mm-hmm. like in the in the moment like it's really easy to go that direction like when you have to 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 become brutal and to kill people and murder people in war he said it's really easy to flip that switch and go that direction but he said it's really hard to go the opposite direction he said it's really hard if you're already barbaric to become civilized and tame again like during peacetime Mm. and he was like that's it that's all (laughs) that was like his message (laughs) <laughs> and that was it
0: that's interesting with the comparison of wrestling yeah.
1: obviously I've remembered that one message so I guess his method worked on that level mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's it man and then um, I had to go to the West Point prep school before I went to West Point proper and I had an English professor there and we did some of the stuff you're supposed to do for English 101, like write essays or what's the other thing you do? You do, um, I forget what they're called, um, uh, an essay when you're trying to persuade somebody.
0: No. Uh...
1: Whatever that is, that's a standard thing they teach yeah. you in English 101. So we did some of that, and we did some of reading Newsweek magazine and, and analyzing some of the articles. Nothing crazy. But on other days, he would bring in like his VHS copy of um, like First Blood, and he would like he would like show a scene from the movie, and then he would like break it down like film school. And he did it for Karate Kid, (laughs) and he did it for something else. And I'll I'll never forget what he. I don't know even know what the point of this was. Do you know Karate Kid fairly well, the original movie?
0: Yeah, the original one, yeah. Not so much the sequels, but...
1: Okay, so there's this part where it's the dance. And so he showed us this whole sequence of the movie. Um, starting with Daniel's in the restroom. Mm. And what's his name? Um, shit, I can't think of his name. But the blonde kid and his friends go in there. And they're trying to smoke like a joint in the stall or something. And Daniel realizes they're in there. And he gets like the hose. Do you remember <laughs> this? <laughs> yep. So he puts the hose in there, he turns it on, and he like runs away, right? And then uh and they, there's a big chase. And he's like running, and eventually he he get, almost gets to his apartment. But um he eventually gets to the fence of where he lives. But he but he's not he doesn't get over it. Hmm. And the guys get him and they start beating the shit out of him, the Cobra Kai guys. And he's getting the shit beat out of him. And then he's like delirious on the ground. And then he like and Mr. Miyagi is like climbing the fence like stealthily. And then he like jumps down. Uh and he he like beats up all the Cobra Kai kids. And then he like gets Daniel and he like saves them. And he's like, dang son, Daniel Sun, and he's like, Are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like all beat up. And he, he said, What is the last thing you remember? And and he says, Spider Man? <laughs> And I remember the, the teacher, he stopped the video and he was like, why did he just say that? Why did he just say Spider-Man? And I remember we all said the same thing and we were all wrong. Mm. Well, according to the teacher. Because um, when when Mr. Miyagi is like creeping into scene, he's like climbing on the fence. He looks kind of like Spider-Man because uh, of the, like, the way he's he's crawling or moving on his legs and that's what we all said we all said oh it's because mr Miyagi kind of looked like spider-man before he came in and saved them and then i remember he rewound the clip back to the beginning uh when they're in the restroom and uh after daniel like turns on the water and he's like running out of the restroom he like runs into a guy in costume and it's spider-man um
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> and I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I mean, okay. He's like, no, nope, see, there's Spider-Man. And I was like, okay, but that doesn't necessarily make the teacher right. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily make us wrong.
0: But it was still interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was still interesting.
0: Which, which teach, what class was this again? Did you say English? Or... English 101. English. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is odd. <laughs> that's definitely odd. Hmm. <laughs> but
1: dude, I, that's the closest thing i've had to a film class like, i've never had an actual film class before but it was like film class oh it was so great
0: hey uh, the film class that's podcasting <laughs> oh but i was going to mention because you were talking about how you know it's so easy to switch into kind of the perverse and brutal during war times and hard to switch out of it yeah 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 have you ever seen the film millennium actress
1: no i never heard of that
0: oh it's an anime film I just recently watched it going through my Criterion list and it's also another kind of um, like a Citizen Kane where it looks at a person's life and jumps through all these different eras and at one point we see like some sort of war period in Japan and there's this one really brutal kind of military guy who does some horrible things we don't see them on screen we just kind of hear about them and then we see him later in life as this old completely decrepit man missing a leg his eyes all fucked up and he's like i'm i'm on my like last years and i'm trying to make amends and it's taking me this long to finally kind of turn things around and for whatever reason that that scene really just kind of broke me down in in certain ways and when you said that just made me think about that because yeah all those all those regrets years and years later when you could finally kind of switch back to being a regular person scary thing to think about
1: um in that movie uh Black Klansmen. There's a part in the movie where there's some elder black man and he's like speaking at a a student union meeting, black meeting. Uh and he's telling the story of something that happened in 1916 in Texas, which I had not heard about before, about a lynching that happened in 1916. Um and so I went to go wiki it was a real thing that happened in, in Waco, Texas in 2016, I mean, 1916 <laughs> and uh, when I read about the wiki description and everything assuming it's accurate that was pretty brutal I mean, it's for lack of a better term, it's like one of the most disgusting things like to read about mm. and I had never heard of this situation before, before I saw the movie and I was like, "Wow, that is that was not good, not good." What happened over there at that time? Um, and then, in part of the Wikipedia article, it explains that at the time, um, some white supremacists, white nationalist type groups, or KKK, whatever, had been kind of whipped up by the movie um, *Birth of a Nation* that had come out a few years prior to that and i've heard of that movie of course Mm -hmm. and now i want to see the movie is it do you happen to know without google is it gettable uh i don't know if it's one of those things that Um, maybe it's on youtube for all i know
0: i believe you can get the dvd but i don't believe there's a blu-ray out there but i I have looked at for looked for it in the past and it was available on amazon but it may have been amazon uk i i can't remember Okay, look. So
1: I'm kind of <laughs> curious about it now just because we're reading about that article. And then I did my little Wikipedia research before I was done with the movie Black Klansman. And then later in the movie, after I did my Googling, um, the characters in the movie, they watch um, Birth of a Nation. Like They have like a little home screening. And, and they're all hooting and hollering and having a good old time. So I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've always been curious about it, just as a piece of film history. And it's supposedly one of, like, the... People say it's like the blockbuster of a silent film in in some ways, so I've always been curious about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that, too, because of how big the production was and everything. Yeah. But, uh... I don't know. I don't know.
0: Uh, That's another reason why I've always been, like, people who hold on to tradition I've never understood... Because so I'm like, tradition, the history of humanity is mostly hideous. So why not just try to progress away from from what we've been in the past? Oh, I'll <laughs> tell
1: you why. Well, tradition can be bad like that. But I think it can also be very good. And I think, um, I, to be fair, I get a lot of this from listening to Jordan Peterson. But to <laughs> extrapolate some of what he talks about a lot, it seems like... Before humans had invented all the amazing technology we have now, like computers and and books and printing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like prehistory human beings, it seems like tradition being part of like the human psyche was probably an evolutionary thing that benefited us as a race tremendously prior to to our invention of writing and books and and computers and word processors. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, cuz and there's a reason why the most famous religious book now, uh, the Bible um you know, it was all we don't know. It was like it was all word of mouth first and then eventually, you know, they got it written down. I mean, especially the Old Testament stuff. Um, yeah And if you go through it, you know, I don't know how much you've read the Bible, but, you know, a lot of it is about things going wrong (laughs) (laughs) or things that sucked or bad losses or bad famine or bad times. And there's something, there's something important about that of like passing down the, the story to your to future generations, like the stuff that was really bad and not to forget it and not to to try to avoid repeating it is the point point. Um, and try to recognize when you're going down a path that somebody historically has already gone down and, and failed to, to help prevent that again. And I think that's what a lot of it has to do with um, when done right
0: yeah or recognizing that even if you're in a terrible place now there's always a way out
1: that also
0: you know people move past it
1: but just like it's important for us as americans to remember 9-11 but not just 9-11 but why it happened and what led to it and how could it have been prevented and then also learn from how you react to it and how you respond to it and what was good or bad about that so just like that's important Yeah, I probably should have heard of this lynching in 1916 before, Um, but I'd never heard of it. Uh, Just like um, maybe it's because they in our in our studies in American school they focus on this other lynching. I guess they use that one to make their example. Uh, There's this other one that happened, like I want to say in the late 50s. Um, I think I think they teach more about that one for whatever reason than the one in 1916. Um, (laughs) But also, there was the riots that happened in... Uh, was it Oklahoma? Uh, this race riot that happened in the 20s? 1920s? Um, and I guess it was pretty significant too, but I never heard about it until um, until I watched the Watchmen sequel on HBO. Mm. Did you see that?
0: Nope, haven't seen well, it Well, if yet. you
1: watch it... It's literally the first thing that happens in the series. Oh, yikes. And that is also based upon a true event, which is a really big deal. Um, and... Watchmen was the first time I'd ever heard of it. But I'd heard it discussed since... Because after all this Black Lives Matter stuff started happening... some I'd hear black leaders talk about this event that happened back in... Uh, like I said, the 20s in Oklahoma, or wherever it was. Um... Right. I might be screwing it up. It was Oklahoma or maybe it was Kansas City. I don't know. I might be screwing it up, but um, but still, that was another one that was kind of weird. Like, because it was like the biggest race right, I guess, of the last hundred years or whatever. It's kind of weird not to know about it.
0: Well, I mean, for a long time they, they try to bury that stuff. To be honest, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not naive, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's just not surprising that most people don't know.
1: It's part of like why i think it is important to remember things but but it's also why it's also why i support keeping up all these quote-unquote bad statues they want to tear down i it's the same reason i support see this is what i'm telling you about i'm so right and left at the same time on so much stuff um this is why i think it's important to save statues of confederate leaders or slaveholders, if such statues exist um because it's part of remembering the story and I feel like when you get rid of those statues and replace them with like iconic people of color leaders or whatever you replace them with I feel like it's it's like the Voldemort thing in Harry Potter like because they won't ever say his name it's like he's not even real to people to the younger generation in Harry Potter The older generation remembers and they're the ones who are scared to say his name. Um, But the younger generation doesn't really understand because nobody will talk about it.
0: Well, I think the argument is a lot of those statues have like false, kind of like heroized histories behind them, like someone like Christopher Columbus, who people still celebrate as like this oh, he discovered America, he's this American hero. And then when you really learn about him, he was this hideous kind of creature of a man. Okay, now creature of man, even before he discovered America. Hold on, <laughs> rapist to his. Core. That's
1: another complicated <laughs> subject to me, though, just Christopher Columbus. Ugh. because because I was on TikTok recently. This isn't the only reason, but I'm just picking this out that has to do with Christopher Columbus. Uh, on TikTok, there's this some guy I see on there who appears to be Native American. He like He looks like he's in his late 30s, early 40s. And he's always, like, speaking some truth in his little TikToks. Uh, you know, and on Columbus Day, he did one about, on the subject you were just on, like, you know, we celebrate this guy. But did you know, da-da-da, da And some of the things he said I had never heard before. Some I was familiar with, kind of. And others, I was like, whoa, I've never heard that. That's completely new to me. These, like, horrendous things, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So then I spent a fair amount of time doing some internet research after I saw that TikTok. Because I wanted to verify the things that he said. And I was able to verify some of it. But other stuff I could not verify. Now, I saw where sources said, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. But that's not the way he said it in his TikTok. You know what I mean? In his TikTok, the way he delivered it was like, he did this, he did this, he did this. But some of it, when I did my quote-unquote research, was up to conjecture. Or some historians think this, but then some think no, maybe not. My point is not so clear. And see, I don't like that. I don't like that because now I can't trust this guy when I see his TikToks. Because... He's definitely, even though I'm sure Columbus did good and bad things, but he definitely has his finger on the scale on the horrendous side. You know what I mean? But he's, he's doubling down. You know, I like to get, it, get the facts as unfiltered as possible. Um, and so now I, I can't trust these guys because um, I, I couldn't find the sources to back it up exactly the way he was describing some of the things. Um so so and that's just part of what I think about Christopher Columbus but generally I think in the case of Christopher Columbus that his achievements should still be celebrated despite the flawed human being that he was. Um and I know he did some really bad things but I still think in the grand scheme of things
0: I don't I just don't understand I don't understand the point of celebrating dead people who. I mean, he's not around. (laughs) Who's the praise going to? History? Fuck him. He was an asshole. Just forget him.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I think it's similar. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. You're worshiping or praising Christopher Columbus. I don't think that's the point. I think it's similar to.
0: Then why have a day for him?
1: Well, because it's the day to think about that. Just like. (laughs) Just like the other religious days. And I'm not saying that now we're revering him as a religious deity. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, I think it's similar to what we were just talking about and why tradition is important because you need to remember certain things. And so if there's a day to contemplate Columbus, then I think there should be. And if you want to include the truthful bad things he did, I'm all for it. I don't think those things should be covered up or glossed over. But when people start doubling down and start exaggerating, then I have a problem again. Um, because that's you no, know, I wanted to, you know in my world to be as accurate as it could be, like talking about the bad stuff, um, without going overboard.
0: Well, well, yeah. Again, I don't know what I don't know what that guy said, but personally, for me, I don't see the point in celebrating anyone having a day for them celebrating anything. I mean, we have Remembrance Day in Canada. I've never once participated in Remembrance Day. I just don't believe in those things it doesn't make sense to me i don't believe in christmas either um having holidays it's just never something i've been able to understand
1: no no <laughs> okay look i can do one at a time so remembrance <laughs> day for y'all is like similar to our veterans day right yes
0: it's just basically yeah
1: that one is really huge to me um um and it's similar and when you say think about dead people yeah like did you see the movie Coco?
0: No, I did. I actually did. Yes. Yeah.
1: And you know how you know, you understand the concept in the movie about the ofrendas? Mhm. Uh, like having like the little shrine to your deceased loved ones. Yep. And do you remember how in the movie there's the concept of how they survive in the spirit world as long as somebody remembers them in the real world? Mm-hmm. But it, once they're completely forgotten, it's like they don't even exist in the spirit world anymore. Yeah. I think there's a powerful concept to that and that's how I think about Veteran's Day. Um, Not necessarily think about each individual veteran or their individual accomplishments or anything like that. But I always think it's always important to remember... It it sounds like a cliché but... To remember the people who who gave all. Um, I always think about those people when I watch uh, war movies i always think about all the random people all the random soldiers all the random people on the beach who just died in normandy like even if they all they did was step off the boat and then they just got shot and they just died and and just the masses like like the, not the mass graves but i mean just picturing the battlefield and all the casualties just like laid out mm-hmm. you know for whatever war i i i, can, I can always think about that stuff and that's all combined in my many thoughts on Veterans Day. Um, and then Christmas.
2: <laughs>
1: Christmas has its pagan origins and all that kind of stuff, and and then you know Christians co-opted it. It's the birth of Jesus. <laughs> um, I just think of it now. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just doing the the thumbnail version of it, but. I, I think now, regardless of its creation or its origins, Christmas, um, it's just a good time to sit back and just think about everything that everyone you love in the world and everyone who loves you. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds, <laughs>
0: Cliche- that sounds <laughs>
1: like, yeah, is pastiche the right word, but, um, <laughs> but I think it's good to have those times. To just, like, reflect and have something that causes people to want to be together. So if it happens to be Christmas, then it's Christmas. If for some reason for you and your family it's Easter, th- that it's the holiday that brings everyone together, then it's Easter then. Yeah. Whatever. And I, I get I get these have, like, religious background these, these holidays. But I, I feel like even if you're atheist or agnostic, go ahead and co-opt the religious date that they put aside and just go ahead and use it yourself um, even if you're not religious uh, like you could care less about the rebirth of Christ or the birth of Christ it doesn't matter if it doesn't apply to you it's just I think it's just good to have days to reflect on those things yeah,
0: I, I, it just always felt super fake and performative to me forever same with like Father's Day or Valentine's Day I, I just never really understood any of those things
1: well I can't stand Father's Day and Mother's Day, but that's because I have personal issues that only apply to, well, that are just mainly have to apply with myself and my own personal issues.
0: Yeah, and my issues here are clearly just personal issues. Like, people love all this stuff. I just, I've never been able to grasp what, what the point of it is, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't with those holidays. Um,
0: I mean, I guess that's not fair. I grasp the point. I just don't see it as valuable, necessarily, but... But again, that's just, that's just...
1: But in that <laughs> case, I think for both of us, that's our personal biases talking.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, people love all that stuff. People love Remembrance Day, especially in Canada. But in Canada, it's kind of weird, too, because if people don't celebrate Remembrance Day, or don't have poppies, people will actually like criticize you, like, oh, where's your poppy? Like, I've been in line many <laughs> in stores, and people will be like, oh, you don't have a poppy? Like, oh, it's Remembrance Day did you forget? I'll be like, uh, okay. It's like, now I didn't forget. Yeah, but see, that's me getting to another topic, <laughs> which has to do with
1: like, just the stuff on social media. Like, you have to be, you have to pick a, you have to pick a group, and you have to be in that group. Whether you're in the poppy group or the no poppy group, um, <laughs> somehow it's become in the United States if you wave an American flag. Somehow that means you're for Trump now like that's a weird thing I mean whether you look at it from a Republican point of view or a Democrat point of view that's a weird thing because Democrats are the ones like oh you're waving a flag that means you're Trump like that doesn't even yeah. make sense I mean for you to say as a Democrat um but it's weird um no what was the movie that me and Sean watched recently um what the hell did we watch um yeah. Johnny guitar Mm. Uh, that one of the takeaways from that movie uh, that I brought up and it's like what we're talking about now uh, Johnny guitar shows a lot about mob rule and mob mentality Mm. and how the mob can, when there's a mob it can take on like a life of itself. Like it's an organism Uh, and I am so anti mob think whether it's on the right or the left or whatever it is i just don't like mob think at all um and that movie really highlights that um and i don't care if it's religious mob think or atheistic mob think i just don't like any type of uniform oh this is the opinion you're supposed to have on all these different subjects if you hang with us
0: and that's yeah that's why i've always been against patriotism as well i think that's one of the most (laughs) insidious forms of mob think
1: but that's the thing like as i've told you about myself (laughs) i am very into patriotism and Mm -hmm. nationalism to an extent while at the same time being against like blind following without questioning like i told you i'm such a both
0: yeah i've always i've always been in the camp of like, there's people who, like, they'll be like, oh, you know, I hate soldiers. Soldiers are just, like, an arm of of the U.S. or uh, any, tor- any type of military. They're just, like, mindless drones. I'm like, you really can't blame a lot of soldiers because they are genuine patriots. They think that they're supporting their country, even if their country's goals are absolutely hideous. But that's why patriotism is so dangerous, because if the country is like hey you know this is what you need to do to support your people This is how we protect our country our supremacy as a country you can talk people into doing absolutely anything
1: no it's true what you're saying but still there's there's good examples of things and there's bad examples of things like in war or whatever um there's wars that should never have been fought there's wars Mm -hmm. that should not have been lost in the way they were lost but then there was wars that I think the word just and good. If you were on the "quote unquote" good side, from from my Western point of view, <laughs> um, like like what the Allies did in World War II overall, I would say was a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah,
1: and it took patriotism, whether that's a blunt <sighs> tool object that doesn't have a brain of its own. Patriotism was a part of that, well, to some degree. Now, patriotism was also part of what was uh, fueling the Axis powers. I'm not going to lie. Yes,
0: the bigger part, I would say.
1: I understand, and nationalism as well. I understand, but still, um, the patri- patriotism on the the quote unquote good side that won. I mean, I think I mean it's just like anything. I guess it could be used for good. It could be used for bad.
0: In my opinion, it wasn't so much patriotism as much as it was global. Like, hey, we have to, you know, fight for freedom. Freedom of people, not a certain country, but just people. But
1: only certain groups of people or countries either were willing and or had the capability. Yes. That's the important part of the story.
0: And I always like to point out for the U.S., there was never any real threat to their own freedom and so it's a little less on the patriotism side there as much as it was just helping you know global freedom rather than cuz I, sometimes i feel like people think like oh the nazis eventually you know they would have got to the north america too and they would try to take over there and that to me just seems like a cartoon but
1: <laughs> probably you're right but who knows how things would have gone if the us didn't eventually win the pacific war um because then would it have turned into a war on two fronts for the united states with nazis on one side if if the japanese had started winning the war in the pacific and i mean i do think it's interesting to some degree i haven't finished the series but um the man in the high castle Mm. i think is a pretty interesting almost like almost like a twilight zone black mirror type series
0: yeah i just tend to think josh was in love with that show i tend to think unless you go back super duper far that kind of inter like traveling across huge oceans like that it doesn't tend to do well for a war effort so (laughs) in almost any regard no you're right no you're right that's
1: that is historically true you're right it's a huge barrier but
0: that's why I've always... Whenever people try to frame it in that particular way, I kind of balk immediately. Like, come on, that seems absolutely cartoonish if you look at the real facts. It
1: wouldn't but. be easy, that's for sure. But but it still could have been... <laughs> Who knows?
0: Who knows? It could have been a nuisance for sure. A lot of dead folks. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know about, about ever succeeding. No, but
1: it could have reshaped the whole world, though, still. Because even if the United States wouldn't have been conquered... Europe still would still have been changed forever. The Pacific mm-hmm. Rim could have been changed forever. You know, a lot of more people could have been massacred and killed. Um, I do like how um, Pearson brings up the Gulag Archipel- Archipelago, the book, a lot. A book I hadn't heard of until until I heard him mention it. And that's another thing about 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 the the camp, the gulags that these have in Russia, mm. and how no one ever really took the idea serious or knew much about it until that book was published. Um, and you know, I've only read a part of it because it's it's too difficult to read stuff like that. <laughs> I've read some of it, but you know, it's just it's hard to read something that's just like non-stop about suffering yeah and about guards being brutal and mean yeah but that's what that book is it's like non-stop compendium of situations like that um and the point is like i mean peterson's point is that you have to always remember stuff like that because we need to prevent something like that happening again
0: yeah it's i mean that's i mean that was the whole thing after world war World War II, oh never again. Let's form the United Nations and look how great that's been <laughs> for helping that kind of stuff. Though never again for the countries that it's convenient to do it for, but the ones that's not so convenient Ah, eh, just fuck 'em.
1: <laughs> oh boy.
0: It's like a downer note.
1: <laughs> no, not that. It's just Yeah, it's something on to top of all these things, but then it never goes anywhere. <laughs> uh uh. One of Bo Berman's songs that would encapsulate what we've been talking about the last 45 minutes. One of his newer songs is called um, That's the Way the World Works. Hmm. You can just watch that song, that video. It's from the Inside Special. Um, But that's what Bo Berman does. He takes the subject we just talked about and he boils it down into a three-minute funny song that makes you laugh that's
0: fun that's fun
1: (laughs) it's so crazy though it's so crazy
0: see that's that's why you gotta support artists because they can do things like that
1: (laughs) oh geez but there's artists and then there's artists because there's like the so-called artists who dabble in art just like i could dabble in art myself
0: yeah like uh, Zack Snyder today Versus uh, Denis Villeneuve <laughs>
1: Get out of here uh, That's apples and oranges No um, But then there's people like Bo Berman Who's a fucking genius He's a fucking genius Who happens to be an artist He's a fucking genius uh, God I watched Because I, I've watched so many reviews On his stuff In the last two three weeks Some good Some stupid and there's this one guy, I don't know who he is, random YouTube viewer... This guy was so... He, his, his, his delivery on how he does his reviews, his personality is so dry and so to the point. <laughs> and he was reviewing the whole Inside Special and he was saying how... Yeah, you know, it was well shot, well produced, I was moved a bit at times, but this was nothing special. I mean, it was it was good enough, and it's twenty minutes of him giving his opinion like that, and I'm just like, how, how can that be your overall opinion? Like, like he was saying that he's seen other people do things, you know, up to that level, just as good. So he thought it was good, but not stand out good.
2: Hmm.
1: What the fuck, like. I don't want to watch any more of his reviews except for I want to know what he thinks are standout if that no. wasn't standout because I, I just I can't I can't contemplate that guy's opinion I can't see how you get there unless a lot of it just went way over your head or something
0: yeah and sometimes things just you know you have particular things that are priming you to be hit in a particular way other people just don't have that like again 2001 hits me like a religious experience in some ways when I watch it a lot of other folks don't have that at all you know And and neither one of them is correct I mean it's all about how you come to the art but
1: (laughs) my best friend at work uh, my current job Uh, so I mean I don't know her, I haven't known her that long She's just my best friend at work because I don't have that many deep friends at my current job. Uh, I have practically none, actually. But anyway, because obviously my thing is movies, and she talks about how like she only watches newer movies. She's like, she's like, I don't think I can really watch anything like before, like the year two thousand or something like that. And I was just like, oh my god, like, come on! I mean. Wow, you know, why would you limit yourself like, there's obviously so many good things that predate the year 2000 and she's like I just can't watch old movies she's 29 by the way but she's like I just can't watch mm-hmm. old movies um, and people I find laymen I don't know why they call special effects and CGI they call it graphics I don't know why they use that word but I just can't watch older movies because you know they have bad graphics mm. <laughs> so it's like and she's like, yeah. So, so they just look fake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what are you talking about? And then uh, we were at lunch, and so I, I pulled up the trailer for 2001, the modern trailer for 2001. And I was like, look at this trailer. I was like, uh, tell me what you think about the way it looks. And she was like, she was like, oh, it looks okay she said we can still tell it looks fake though I was like oh my god uh, I said uh, I said what year do you think that movie was was made you know just looking at that trailer because she obviously has no idea what 2001 is she'd never seen that in her life I said uh, I said when do you think that movie came out And she was like, I don't know maybe the 90s oh wow uh, and I was like the 90s she was like yeah something like that whatever. I said, no. I was like, it was nineteen sixty eight And she was like, Okay. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> no impression.
1: No no reaction. <laughs> I like, okay. I was like it was nineteen sixty eight She's like, Yeah, okay. She's like, but it still looks fake and I was like, Oh my god. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, that thing about people being like, I can't watch anything past like two thousand or the nineties, mid nineties. I that was what I faced just all the time growing up. And I'd be like, but you guys love this crap that looks completely fake with this horrible CGI. Why can't you watch something that was made 10 years earlier? It just looks as, looks just as bad. And they'd be like, ah, it just feels older. You know, it just, I can't relate to it in the same way. And i just throw my hands up like, okay, well, I guess, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> what can you do at that point? But, and people will still go watch those MCU movies with their horrible effects and parts and completely ignore that, but yet they couldn't watch something from the, the, the mid-80s
1: dude (laughs) TOS was such a joke when I was you know getting into it in the 80s in the 1980s it was always like such a joke of like like the way people talk about shitty Doctor Who like low budget shitty classic Doctor (laughs) Who (laughs) Star classic TOS Star Trek was always the butt of jokes like in America for something that was like like how can I watch this like i was getting into it in the 80s but kids who are my age in the 80s no they could not get into it it's like, no like how can you watch this it's so fake like, it's so cheap that was like everybody's opinion back then except for hardcore star trek fans but even hardcore star trek fans i think would say it was fake looking even though they like they kind of like how classic doctor who fans are
0: yeah yeah, I, I just never got the something being fake being a barrier to enjoy it. I mean, someone like Wes Anderson kind of lives in the artifice of making a film. Or, um, there's this guy I've been watching his films recently. I don't even know how to say his name. He's like a Czech Republic director, made Alice, a little O a bunch of these kind of weird films. Like, they're like weird stop motion films. Uh, have you heard any of them at all? Or, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about at all?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Oh, I wish I knew how to say his name. Yeah, he, most of his movies are on the Criterion Channel, so he's out there. Jan funk Meyer. I'm not sure how to say his name, but.
1: but he has a movie called Alice from a, approximately what year? Uh, 88. I'll figure out. I'll figure out what that is later.
0: Yeah, but certain directors, they live in that artificial world. You know, it's. That shouldn't be a barrier. At least I don't think it should be a barrier, but of course it is for some people. But
1: well, it's just like saying like, or if I say this someone, oh, haven't you ever seen like a good play? I'm like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like a, a play. good play, like that. Does, in their mind, what is this?
0: Nineteen eighty six? It doesn't
1: exist. <laughs> like like seeing something in the theater. The only people I know who are cool with that are people who are like musicals. But other than them, you say that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's impossible to enjoy something on a stage.
0: Oh, by the way, since you like musicals, have you seen that recent Netflix musical with Andrew Garfield? Tick, yes. tick, boom. Yes. Yeah, what'd you think? Well,
1: I've only watched like the first 50 minutes or whatever. Mm. And I was into it. I wasn't loving it. Mm. But also, I'm a hardcore fan of Rent. Oof. And. Why do you make that noise for that?
0: <laughs> I can't stand Rent, but but I've only seen the, the feature film, so I can't fully judge. <laughs> uh,
1: I wish Rent the feature film was exactly the same story and songs, but I wish it was shot like Tick, Tick, Boom.
0: Mm, yes, that'd help. That
1: would have been so cool. But unfortunately, it was done the way it was done. I can yeah. still love it. It was done by Christopher Columbus, ironically. Yeah. Um, or Chris Columbus.
0: Somewhat <laughs> of a hack.
1: Somewhat, <laughs> I agree. Although, <laughs> if I look at his filmography, I believe he has some good things besides Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, he does. He does. But, but yeah. He
1: was in love with Rent and I hate how he he changed like the years a bit of when it took place for his version and whatever. Um <sighs> But, yeah, <laughs> I love Rent, though. And I, hmm. I saw the stage play first before I saw the movie. Um, but I didn't understand the stage play at first. Because hmm. um, it's a very, if you've ever seen, it's a very minimalistic type stage setup. Um, so you have to use your imagination for, like, the scenes and stuff. Oh, okay. And so I had trouble, like, understanding, like, the locations and what the fuck was going on when I just saw the, the production. Um, but anyway, I love Rent. So when you watch Tick, Tick, Boom. It's kind of like when you see a prequel to, like, Star Wars. And you're like, and like, oh, that's where Aunt Beru lives. And like, oh, like, that's the place where C-3PO had his oil bath in the first, you know? You just, like, see these little callbacks. <laughs> and you know what they are. Because you're a yep. fan of Star Wars, there's these little callbacks that it's so obviously alluding to rent, like little places, hmm. and like I, uh, I, it's fan service, I guess. Like, I'm of two minds about it, because it's like, oh, of course, that's why that's happening right there, but, but um, the the actor who plays um, shit, I can't think of the actor's name I mean the character's name you know the one who dies in Rent
0: uh, yes
1: um, the the um, trans character I guess yeah. sometimes gay sometimes trans um, where's my DVD they show that actor for like a little cameo in Tick Tick Boom and just seeing the person's face they don't even have a speaking line just seeing their face and almost want to start crying oh wow because i just love rent so much and i was like oh my god it's what's his name (laughs) just by seeing the face show up in the movie um but uh yeah i'll finish it Uh, it seemed okay i liked it yeah it it didn't seem groundbreaking
0: See, I went in with a little bit of a bias against Lin-Manuel Miranda. I've just... I've enjoyed the stuff that he's done, but when I see all these heaps of praise, I'm like, ah, he, I just don't see it. I, I mean, he does good work, but the praise he receives, it, it seems like you should be doing brilliant work, and I'm just like, ah, 6 out of 10. No, I but do I,
1: like manuel Miranda a lot. I'm biased the opposite direction. <laughs> um... Hamilton is absolutely brilliant. Um and I think Moana is a very extremely good Disney animated movie. I think it's one of the best. 3D or not, I think it's one of the best. Um see the heights.
0: That was my favorite one.
1: That's interesting. Or do you mean the player? Do you mean the movie, or what do you mean?
0: Uh, the movie.
1: I like the heights. But I was giving it a pass or a boost because it was not manuel Miranda. If I didn't know it was him associated, I would think it was just like a knockoff of something that he did. Um, hmm. But I gave it... I, I, I created it on a curve because I like Lin-Manuel Miranda so much. Um, I thought the heights was going to blow me away more. Um, but I still liked it fine. Yeah, I'll actually
0: but- say... I ended up liking Tick, Tick, Boom even more, just because I don't particularly care for that guy's music. Like, I enjoy the plots. I just find his way of composing music a little obnoxious a lot of the time.
1: Miranda or Jonathan Larson?
0: Miranda. But I thought Larson's music was quite good in Tick, Tick, Boom, especially as the movie went on. So I really enjoyed a lot of that stuff.
1: We'll see. Larson... The thing about him is a lot of his stuff sounds the same, Mm. for better or for worse, like his different songs, I mean.
0: Yeah, I can see that. But (laughs) also,
1: whatever genius creativity Larson was tapping into, Bo Berman has that same thing. Mm. Because I saw a little bit of the documentary for Rent, and it's a documentary on Jonathan Larson and his life and his story and stuff. And it had a lot of good footage of him Larson and all that stuff, and Bob Berman's like the same as him. Like he sits down at his piano and he can just pump out some amazing songs. Except Berman does the whole political commentary, making you laugh, funny joke. Like Bo Berman is like if Weird Al Yankovic was like a genius, uh, and <laughs> and also if Weird Yankovic had did a lot of studying of Politics and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a, like, Bo Berman's like a more studied We're uh, Yankovic. And, uh, and very much like Jonathan Larson. Like, uh, I would love to see uh, Bo Berman write an actual musical, musical, but that's kind of what he's already done with his live shows. It's huh. just, it's more like a comedic thing with, with little bits. Um, that are connected thematically, but not connected like an actual story or anything. Oh, that's cool. Although there is a... St- but but yeah, I, I just when I was watching it, Tick, Tick, Boom, I was like, dude, this dude's like Bo Berman. He's like Bo Berman in like the late 80s, early 90s. Because both real men had similar struggles personally mm. while producing their art. That's another key component.
0: Yeah, and I had no idea about uh, Larson's premature death. So that was a very sad note to discover. That's
1: that's the icing on the cake. And that would probably make... <laughs> oh, did you, did you just learn it when you watched Tick, Tick, Boom?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't know anything about him, really.
1: So that would probably be really cool to watch that movie and not already know that, because I already know mm. that. So that kind of plays into it for me, too.
0: Yeah, it's sad to think. Someone struggles so hard to get their vision completed and they died just in the process of it finally coming to fruition. It's real sad.
1: Uh Bo Berman's already you know, he was already famous since he was thirteen or whatever. But that being said, if there was anybody who should be part of that that club of famous people who died at twenty seven or whatever, <laughs> like Bo Berman seems like the poster child. <laughs> For that club because you know, spoiler, he suffers a lot from depression and anxiety attacks in -hmm. real life, and you'll you will learn that quick when you start looking at his music and comedy. But um, God, and in one of the songs on Inside, and when he's singing his songs, you can't tell which parts are just truth and which parts are hyperbole because you just can't tell with that guy um and he's saying you know about how his mental health is always getting worse in this one song he says like i'm i'm killing myself when i'm 40 i'm killing myself like like and he's like and you can't tell is this guy being funny or is he really going to kill himself when he turns 40 because you can't tell and right after that song ends he does like a, a narration and he says, all right, look, I'm not going to kill myself when I'm 40. I was just saying that. You know, so he's already giving a disclaimer. But even when he gives a disclaimer, I still don't know if I believe him.
0: Yeah, that's, that's raw.